The Electrician Podcast, powered by Schneider Electric. We're bringing you the electrical industry experts you need to hear to discuss the topics you need to know about. Welcome to another episode of The Electrician Podcast. We have Ryan Dempsey, the founder of the Compliance Workbook, as our guest. Firstly, thanks for joining us today, Ryan. It's great to have you on the show. Although your name may be familiar to some in the industry, could you please introduce yourself for our guests? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on. My name's Ryan Dempsey. Like you see, I'm the, I'm the founder and CEO of the Compliance Workbook, uh, which is a piece of software that I, I came up with a, a few years back. I'm also one of the founding members of the E5 group, and I am also the chairman of the Electrical Safety Roundtable for the social housing sector for uh, we've developed code of practice and stuff and pushed that through government for the social housing sector so as they say i've got my fingers in a few pies and uh, so people will different people will know my name from different places when did you join the industry and what attracted you to this trade so it's a really interesting question which i've been asked quite a lot and i wrote a series of blogs and and in the blogs i I explained my journey on on coming into the electrical industry and I, i almost fell into being an electrician and it sounds really odd and it does sound it does sound odd but the reason why I fell into it is I remember I was a police officer and I didn't really I loved 95% of being a police officer but the the other 5% which is quite a difficult thing to deal with is it's not the glitz and glamour of going into schools and being that big tough guy police officer that there are there are really bad parts to it and it wasn't something I wanted to have for the rest of my life so I, I I ditched that and decided that I had a period of kind of a year where I didn't know what to do. So I was, I was undercover security for uh, Debenhams. I, I did security on, on club nightclub doors and stuff. And, and all of a sudden I, I got to the point where I says, well, why don't I be an electrician? Cause I'd always thought about being an electrician from, from a, a long time. As a kid, I, I used to take my dad's stereos to bits and the VCRs and I used to take them all to bits and try and put them back together and failed every time. Um, so my dad was constantly buying new equipment. So when I said I wanted to be an electrician, I actually wanted to go into electronics and I, I applied for that through Leeds College of Technology and I got an interview to go in and speak to the, the, the headmaster or whatever he was at the time. And I sat there, did the full interview and he said, yeah, you're a perfect mature candidate to come into this industry. And uh, they, they told me how much it was going to cost. And I paid it and I turned up on the first day. And it was at that point I realized that they'd actually put me on a course to become an electrician and not to do electronics. And ever since then, I just became, I went through the, the 2330, did my two years in college whilst volunteering in quite a lot of electrical contractors around Yorkshire and the Northeast. Um, and then did the level three and became an electrician when I actually wanted to go into electronics. So um, I fell into the industry. <laughs> You you almost beat me to my next question. Um, you're talking about things that have failed. I wanted to ask you: Is there something in your life that you failed at that you found defined you, and were there any lessons in it? I wouldn't say it was it, it failed me, but what I would say is the the human mind is quite a, an interesting thing, and you think you know yourself until you're put into a position where before you're put into that position you would tell everybody how proud you are and I will act like this I will be this person when that happens and then when you're thrown into that position and you're you're given a the opportunity to be in 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 say for instance 
I don't, I don't really want to go into the gory details, but if you go and, if you see something that most people will never see in their life, and then you're put, you're stood on the spot, and, and there's members of public stood around looking at you for the answers, you kind of understand who you are at that point, and and that's why I left the police. I wasn't that person. I I didn't realise before that I was dead cocksure. I was the man who I would do anything. You you can count on me. You can rely on me. I'm I'm Buzz Lightyear from Toy Story. I'm I'm the man. I was put into that position and, and every every ounce of my body, every bone in my body said to me, this is not you, you can't deal with this. And, and so I wouldn't say I failed it, but I would say I was, I went through a moment of, of true realisation that, that you might think you're one person, but put yourself in a position and you're not. On a more positive note, yeah. I wanted to, wanted to ask, I mean, uh, it's a great point you make there. I mean, we all need to know ourselves and be mature and self-reflection is always something beneficial. Um, but on a more positive note, what makes you feel inspired today? And what makes you feel like your best self? So I, the fact that I've created something brand new and it took a long time. I, I was always that person who came up with ideas. I was always that person who thought outside the box and they, they say this lateral thinking. And whereas a lot of people will, will a metaphor, you'd, you'd walk up to a motorway and there's cars zooming backwards and forwards. You'd think, well, I need to find the first bridge or underpass. I always think, well, the quickest route is to walk across it. It's the most dangerous route, but it's the quickest route. And, and you, most people don't think like that. Most people think like everybody else. And so I'd have these thousands, thousands of ideas and an idea when I was undercover security for Debenhams, I remember we had something called a smashing grab and it would be a car would just pull up outside and someone would run in and lift a, a full hand reel of Levi jeans off the reel and, and run out. And I'd see it all on camera and it would take me 30 seconds to run to that door. But by that time, the car's gone. So just natural thought i said well why don't we alternate all the hangers why don't we turn all the hangers around so you can't just lift it off now that principle is applied in every single store across the whole country right by the door so the next time you walk into a debenhams a marks and spencers a house of fraser and, and look by the door they alternate all the, the handles i'm not saying that was my idea but at debenhams that i worked at that was my idea and i've always kind of thought like that and then i never ever did anything about it and I remember when i came up with the idea of the software company that I own now, I remember just thinking, oh, what the hell? Let's just let's just go for it. If you feel, you feel, but, but let's just go for it. And it was the first time I ever just kind of closed my eyes and, and took by both feet and just jumped into it. And, and it kind of turned out okay. I think that leads me on quite nicely to my next question. Um, you founded TCW in March of 2016. Can you tell us a bit more about what your company offers, but more importantly, why you created it? Yeah, so we, we started trading in March 2016. We, we pushed it out to customers then. Uh, we'd actually done five years building it before that. We'd, we'd spent about five years putting it together. And a lot of hurdles, we, we decided, we probably decided three, 400 times to, to, to shut the business before we ever started trading. We just kept hitting brick walls and brick walls and brick walls. And the product itself initially was the was to get access to um, the data in PDF documents. And I've always said that there's a there's a really key relationship between data, information, and knowledge. And a lot of people say, well, they're, the, they're three of the same thing, and and they're not because an electrician will capture the data, 
the client will will understand the kind of the, the information behind that data because they've got historical information. And then as an organization, you, you gain knowledge on where to spend budgets and so on. So it, the different people appreciate the different levels of data. So I came up with this idea and, and it came from, I, would, I was working as a qualifying supervisor and I remember I was getting lots of electrical documents and I was doing the exact same thing to check them. I was taking this number, this ZS, I was taking this ZE and this R1, R2 and I was timesing them all together and I was saying, yes, that's the right figure. And I was randomly picking circuits. And I remember thinking at the time, but if I'm just randomly picking one or two circuits on a document, because I don't have the time to check everything, what about what if one of the ones that I don't check has got a significant issue that results in an electric shock, a house fire, and when the HSE come in, they do a full assessment on that document because they've got all the time in the world. And it would just it was just digging away at the back of my head and I was thinking, there has to be a way to get access to the information. I didn't want it to carry out the checks. I didn't want it to do all of the, the verification aspect. And we, I kind of forgot about it at the time. And, and, and then I moved on to become a client. And instead of having 300 documents at my feet to sign, it turned out to be three and a half thousand documents I was getting a month. And someone had already QA'd them. And I was thinking, but they QA'd them the same way I used to QA them. So there's missing information or there's missing data in there, not missing data, but there's, there's information that they might not have spotted. And I need to see that as a client because ultimately the book stops with me if something goes wrong. I spoke to the IT teams where I worked and, and they said it was physically impossible to, to get access to the information in the document, in a PDF document. And the reason being for that is a PDF is created in uh, it's five layers, five or six layers, and each layer is encrypted and rotated and flipped upside down, mumble jumble. You've got your graphics, your font encryption, imagery, and every single PDF is different. So if you use the NIC EIC certificate and software and you use that on an iPad, when you create the PDF at the end of it, your PDF creator in that iPad will create that PDF different to if somebody is using a Windows PC or a Windows tablet. That will create the PDF different again. So you couldn't say, well, uh, you just apply the logic to one PDF. We're, I think at the moment now where we stand, we've got probably over 500 templates, PDF templates in our software. So I was told at the time it's physically impossible to get the information out. You can use something called OCR, uh, which is optical character recognition, but that's what the human eye does. And if somebody accidentally puts a B slightly off piece, so if your B is at kind of 10 degrees, OCR will look at that and say, well, it can't be a B because a B has a straight line down it. And that's not a straight line. What's the next closest thing? Well, the next closest thing is an AND symbol on the keyboard. So it will convert the B to an AND. And if that B is a B32-608-98 uh, breaker, it's now an AND32-608-98 breaker. And that's kind of important to validate whether or not that 32-AND B type is suitable for that circuit. So you couldn't use OCR, and at the point I was told, it's impossible. So there's the first hurdle. You, what you're asking for is, is, is physically impossible. And I thought, what the hell, I'm going to try it anyway. I'm, I'm going to try and see if I can find someone to do it. And that's when I was introduced to my, my two of my business partners now, which is Ian Woolsey and Ben Ford. So Ian Woolsey, he founded a company called uh, PhoneLink in 1993. Um, he, he was one of the people involved in it, and he was the, he was the actual founding member of uh, data care 
That company is now GB Group, multi-multi-million pound company worldwide. Uh, it floated on the stock exchange in the 90s, a PLC company, and, and he was one of the founding members of that. I remember sitting with him and his nephew, Ben Ford, who's uh, is a technical, he's probably the most biggest, the best genius I've ever met when it comes to software and development. And, and I sat there and I told them what I wanted. And instead of them seeing that it's physically impossible, the three of us just sat there and smiled and said, what do we have to lose to give this a go? Why don't we just give it a shot? So over a, a few years, like I said before, we, we failed we failed a thousand times. Uh, and then we got it to a point where I got an email from Ian that said, click on this link and make sure you sat down when you do it. And we, we clicked on a link and he says, right, pick an EICR, just any EICR you've got in your, on your computer and then push it through the doc, push it through the, the, the link that we've sent you. So I clicked on the link got an EICR, put it through, and about 30 seconds later, there was 300 individual calculations, C1, C2, C3s, FIs, the address was right, the date it was checked, the adipiatic equation on every circuit, R1, R2, ZS, insulation resistance, RCD tripping times, literally every single check on every single circuit was done. And the bit that got me really excited is they didn't tell me to put a particular document in, they just said to me, pick any document. Any you document. Good stuff. And um, at that point, we then realised, yes, we've we've we have hit something really, really special here. We let um, let's commercialise it. Let's let's try and turn this into an actual product. So we obviously had to sweeten it up and stuff. So we we turned it into we we had to fix with the UI, so what it looks like and how it interacts with people. We we created that, and we were approached by a pretty big company who made me an offer at the time, and. Uh, that was the first time I realized that there's quite a big value in it because I didn't have any customers. And this individual said to me, how much, what do you want from your business? And I've, I've been asked that question a lot. Um, what's your ultimate goal? And at the time I was extremely naive. I was just an electrical manager who had come up with a pretty cool idea. And I said to him, I've got about 240,000 pounds left on my mortgage. I just want that cleared and I'll be happy for the rest of my life. And he wrote me a check and slid it across the table and said, well, sign over your shares to me. Um, and that's your mortgage cleared. And just, there was just this little voice in the back of my head said, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. This guy's just offered me quarter of a million pound for something that not one customer or person outside of this room seen. And, and so obviously said no to that man. Um, it's still, it, it was the right decision. I, I say it's the right decision now, but I went through a few moments where I thought I should have just took that check. Um, and we're now in a position where we've got, uh, we, last week um, I put a post on LinkedIn where I said we did uh, 22,000 EICRs in a, in a month. Uh, we did 67 um, LGSRs, gas documents, gas LGSRs, landlords, gas safety records, we did uh, a few hundred fire risk assessments and a few hundred um, Legionella documents. And that was all in one month. And that is a hundred percent assessment. We've got just short of 60 clients using the technology and we have 25% of the social housing market, uh, over a million properties registered. And that's, that's us in year four. So it's, um, yeah, that's hopefully that gives you a little bit of an insight in what it does without, without going too technical. Uh, I mean, that's a great answer and a lot of information in there to unpack. Um, if you could go back nine years and tell yourself one thing, <laughs> what would it be? What would you tell yourself? What could you do differently or would you do it all the same again? So it's going to sound like a joke, but I, I mean this 
as the most sincere and truthful statement. Every single person in business lies. Every single person overpromises and underdelivers. Every single person you will meet in a business capacity who is who will sit across the room to you um, has one intent, and that is themselves and their business. And when you start a business and you get to a point where you're starting to interact with quite a lot of people, it's really hard to understand that. It's really hard to engage with people because you're not you're not molded to appreciate that what they're actually seeing isn't there to benefit you, it's to benefit them. And it's a really hard curve to, to get by. And then once you start understanding that, I appreciate you you kind of you're being very friendly to me and you're telling me you're making all the right moves. But what we ideally what we need to get to is um how do we both succeed in this relationship? Um and let's get rid of the fluff. So if I went back that that would be the I would tell myself to to learn that quicker because I've been really naive for the first few years where everyone was telling me I'm going to change the world. Everyone's telling me that this is going to change the industry. It's going to change the gas industry, the, the compliance industry, the asset management industry. And I do believe that. I, I do believe it myself, but I, I'm more strategic. I'm more, I will do it. I will achieve it. But on my terms, I'm not just because somebody kind of, makes me feel like I'm doing the right thing. And, and that would be the advice that I'd give it is, is it's harsh, but everybody, everybody is out for themselves. And it's very rarely you find somebody who's kind of really willing to stand behind you or stand beside you and, and really egg you on in a positive capacity. Uh, I, I guess that belief in your own strategy, has that been important? Um, have there been moments where clients have tried to steer the, tool or manipulate it or is there an ethos behind the software and um, mission that you keep consistent we we as a company are really keen to ensure that anybody who interacts with us comes away with an amazing experience uh, you raise a service desk to us we make it very personable you you know you get emails from the team you get calls from the team uh, people who white label the product out in the market who 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 utilize our product? They'll all comment in exactly the same way. The service you get from from the team is is absolutely first class, and it's that's really important. On this journey, there have been people there have been people who've said we don't need your product because we can create our own. Um, of those sixty clients I just mentioned, there's three or four in there who said that to begin to begin with, um, who now are fully fledged clients of ours. And and I would never I would never dissuade somebody to give it a go. Because, listen, if you can create my product and you are happy to go through what I've gone through, then Christ, there's enough room for all of us in this in the industry. And I've got the utmost respect for anybody who goes through some of the things I've gone through to get this product to where it is. And I wouldn't help you. I'm not going to I'm not going to open the door. I'm not going to tell you everything that I've gone through. I'm not going to tell you all the hurdles and I'm, I'm not going to tell you the things that I know you're going to hit on the way. But what I will, I will wish you luck. So your software obviously offers numerous uh, different aspects, um, comprehensive reporting, performance statistics, you have uh, tagging of keywords, reduces the uh, full EICR from 30 minutes to a few seconds. Uh, when it comes to compliance, what's the reason people fail? Where do you see the breakdown uh, and how does your software assist your customers? So when we, 
when you consider compliance, it's it's really important that you amalgamate that or join it together with the term asset management. And if you look at a if you look at any organisation, there are multiple departments, and only one of those top departments will be um, like an engineering department. And if you speak to Paul Meenan, who who everybody in the industry does know now. Um, he will always mention that these these different departments are classed as tribes, and and I get that. And if you look at, a, at any particular organisation, let's look at Schneider for instance, you're going to have your department that does what you do. You're then going to have Deepaks who probably does a similar role to you, but has different clients. You then have your finance teams, your executive teams, your marketing teams. You have your um, disrepair or recall teams. You have people who do different jobs whose objectives are different, whose output is different, who their boss wants them to achieve something other than what you think you need to achieve. And I've always known that in the businesses that I've worked for. So when coming up with the compliance workbook, it was really important that we we get the message across that we are the single point where all of that data comes in. We convert that data using it's it's kind of syntax and semantic logic it's it's that data information and knowledge that i mentioned previously if we can take all of the data into one location and then convert that data to look different for different departments in an organization but yet all that data all that data and information and knowledge is coming from one source it almost makes the company work in in one direction it's, we're all going in a funnel and the output is exactly what the organization wants. So we're that one point of call and, and one, one central location for information to be used. And for instance, a finance company, a finance department in an organization will say next year, what budget do you need? And before having a hundred percent access to all of the information to then say, well, 25% of our, our housing stock, for instance, has no RCD protection. Well, previously, we would we would assume how many properties don't have RCD protection, and we'd say maybe 10,000. So the finance department would say, right, over the next five years, we're going to give you a million pound per year to address that problem. Within that five years, there's going to be a point where that compliance manager is going to go have to go back to that finance department and say, I was 10,000 properties short in my assumption the finance department has already catered for the, the next five years for, to budget for that. And you're now asking them to double that budget, which creates animosity. It creates the finance department now thinks the compliance manager doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, the executive team are trying to prevent this big fight between the finance and the engineering tribe. And what we do is we say, if you're going to go to the finance department and say you've got 26% no RCD protection, by the way, just give them the information that backs that up. It's fact. It's not assumptions. So ultimately, that's that's one of the biggest problems is different people's objectives and goals and, and what we do is we we realign everybody's objectives and goals and we, we try and cater for everybody i think uh, i mean the values there that real-time access to data is always critical i mean no matter what your role is it always helps uh, clarify situations and having factual discussions does ease tension even though there is always politics between departments yeah. um Ryan, what's been your proudest moments as a business owner? I think there are quite a few things that you, little nuggets that you get when you're building a business and little things that kind of really make you smile inside and they, they make you really proud. And I seem to be getting more and more of them recently. And 
first time was we, we went out for we didn't have a Christmas party in December we did it in January and I remember we it was the first time my wife was able to come out on a, a big kind of company do and we we all went to Liverpool booked some hotels we went to a, a three-story arcade in in Liverpool just full of retro arcade games and we just spent the night there and at one point, uh, my brother who works for us says, right, let's have a let's have a group photo of everybody who works for the business. Let's get everybody in a picture. And the barman came over and took the picture on my phone. And obviously I was sat in the picture, so I didn't really I didn't really think of the scale of it. And then when I turned the phone around and looked and I just I published it on Instagram, on the company's Instagram, and I, I just it was one of those moments where I just thought, This was once just me. This was once just my idea. And now there's twenty people in a picture who all rely on my idea to pay their mortgage, to pay their bills, to, to, to pay their way in life. And I kind of, I, that makes you feel really good that you've got yourself to that point. But then there are other things recently, more recently, we, um, we've obviously got COVID-19 at the moment, which, which everybody's locked in the house and the business is doing well. It's doing okay. And, and we don't want to shout about it. We don't want to kind of rub that into people's faces. We're, we're happy to just kind of stay by the wayside and, and just keep doing what we're doing. But then my marketing manager, uh, head of marketing, Gemma, she, she sent me a WhatsApp a few uh, last week and she said, um, you're never, ever going to believe this. And obviously I'm, I'm, I'm kind of teed up for these kind of things. So it could be anything. It could literally be anything with Gemma. She says, we've just won an award. And I'm thinking, all right, is it the, 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 the Midlands Excellence Awards? Because we're up for quite a few these days. And the good thing about what I like about it is nine times out of ten now, it's not us who fill the nominations in because that's how you win awards. And normally that's the mentality is the business fills the reward nomination in. And if you win it, you win it because you filled it in. Nine times out of ten now, other people are putting us for rewards, which is really is a nice feeling. And I says, oh, which one? Not expect anything. She says it's the Global Excellence um, Innovation Award. And as soon as she said global, I thought, oh, yeah, I'll Google this one because I don't remember that one. I don't recall that one. And then when I looked at it, it's um, Innovation Awards. It's the people who award the MBEs and the OBEs, the Royal Awards for the, for the Queen and stuff. And I started to get a little bit excited and then I did a little bit of research and then I read one of the judges' comments and the judges' comments was along the lines of, the fact that we are really making a difference we are really impacting people's lives and 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 saving people's lives by giving people access to more data and that is exactly why i set this company up that is exactly the reason is 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 simple if we make people more efficient and we can give people access to more information we can prevent disasters we can prevent fires we can prevent electric shocks we can prevent faulty installations turning into catastrophes and this judge just got it hit the nail on the head. So we've just won a, a Global Innovation Award for excellence, excellence in innovation during COVID-19. So how do we shout about that? What, I'm, kind of, I'm still working out what the marketing angle for that is. Firstly, congratulations. I mean, it's a <laughs> massive achievement. Uh, I think you touched on a topic there that you're passionate about the industry and you really want to give back to the industry. Um, I know you're one of the founding members of E5, whose purpose is to support the industry. Um, but I want to take a different angle with this question. What's something that people seem to misunderstand about the E5 group? It's a really easy, easy question to answer. And it's we've kind of just gone through a whole process of talking about my business and my intent to make money, my intent to grow a business, my idea, and to 
to, to grow something and then and then sell it to make my family comfortable. So we've just talked about building a business to support my needs, my family. E5 is not that. And people find it really hard to appreciate that there is a group of guys, um, Sparky Ninja, David Watts, who you have never met a guy like that. If you, if you sit in a room with him and you talk to him and he's a businessman, but has just this amazing passion for just teaching people, making people better at what they do. You've then got Dan Jackson, who's um, went off traveling and he had his own business and is such a knowledgeable chap. When we talk about what are the things that you're going to hit when you're trying to set up a business and he's really good at, at life lessons and, and, kind of that self-love I think is is what people talk and he's and then you've got Paul Skirm who out of all of us we all appreciate that Paul is probably the most technical man you will ever meet or you will ever talk to um and then we have the the, the commander-in-chief Paul Meenan who again just the knowledge that he has and if he ever finds a subject that he doesn't know anything about he will spend hours researching it bouncing questions off the e5 group and and by the time he's finished researching all five of us are probably experts in that in that bloody thing that he's trying to learn because he keeps asking us the questions and the one thing that people don't get is there is there is absolutely no intent whatsoever to commercialize what we do we literally live by the, the the principles of if you if you stick your hand out and help somebody, it will pay it forward a million times over. If if we if we can share our knowledge and we can let people know look, these this is the journey that we've been on and this is the knowledge that we have as clients, as contractors, as trainers, as consultants, as business owners, then it might help other people and, and the amount of emails we get, the amount of text messages we get, the amount of time we spend on the phone talking to people who are like really, really depressed and who need to be built up and then two days later they send a message saying, I was at rock bottom and now I'm just so motivated. People think we are trying to build something to make money out of it. And I would be very surprised if E5 ever made a penny. And that's what people don't get. People don't understand that sometimes people do like to do good things. Uh, I think it speaks to the old proverb, as cheesy as this is. Um, you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. You teach him how to fish, he has food for a lifetime. And I think it's a really noble cause what you're trying to achieve. And I think there's great things coming out of the group. Um, if, if there's one thing as a group or as your own you could change in the industry, what would it be? It's a really good question. Really good question. The In terms of the electrical industry, what I would probably see is many 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 years ago when i was taking my dad's equipment to bits i would take his stereo to bits like i said earlier and i would i would just destroy my dad's electronic equipment um and then when i would try and do it to the electrical installation in the house luckily my dad would stop me and say no no it's all right you're taking something that isn't plugged in but when you start messing with the electrics you're gonna die um he used to always say to me back then that when on a building site, the, the, the person who is in charge is the electrician and it, it had an aura about it. And when I then started training to be an electrician, the QS um, had an aura about it. And the term electrician is something that people don't understand anymore. People don't, I'm an electrician, but what are you an electrician in? And selecting Scotland are doing a, 
they have it right at the moment. They, they are talking about the right things. They're trying to protect the title of electrician. They've got it slightly off piece. They're, they're slight, slightly off on their marketing, what they're trying to do, or what they're trying to see, sorry. What they're trying to achieve is exactly what, what, what I would love to see in the industry. I would love to see people appreciate that when an electrician turns up to your house and is coming to fit the, the cooker. He's not just coming to take two screws out and fit three wires and put two screws back in. That electrician should, just as a matter of course and a, a matter of principle, he should look on the back of that cooker and see what the, the kilowatt rating is of it. He should perform a, a calculation in his head just instantly. He should already know it because that's what competence is. He should see, well, I've already got this this eight and a half kilowatt um cooker and i need to put 32 40 i need to put a certain size um breaker in and people it would be nice to get the industry and the public's perception of an electrician that they do understand quite the intricate details of of electrical installations and they're not just kind of house bashes or connecting wires and like i say select are doing a good job um i think it's the right thing to do the iet are doing a good job again that's probably the right thing to do their marketing's appalling. Uh, they don't. They're not. They're not getting it right when they're trying to market things. They, they're trying to see. You know what they're trying to see. They're just not seeing it very well. And and I think that's what we would like to achieve. We would like to make people better. But we're not just focusing on the apprentices coming in. We like to focus on the mature learners. We like to focus on people who've been in the industry for years. You you never stop learning. And that's what I'd change. I think. Uh, I think it's a great answer. To be honest. Um, I think there's some commonality with what I'm trying to achieve there in my role at Schneider. Obviously, we're trying to support electricians with knowledge and upskilling and that continual professional development aspect. I mean, a lot of respect for the trade, but I think uh, there could be work to improve the public perception. Um, just to, to close off the discussion um, on the E5 and TCW, is there anything that I should have asked you that I don't have enough knowledge to <laughs> anything I've missed? <laughs> um, I wouldn't say enough knowledge to. We, we've, we're touching on what you just said there with, with TCW and E5. The, the guys in E5, we, we've all got our own businesses. We've, got, we've all got our own jobs uh, that we get paid for. So we, we try and keep them separate. And it, it, it goes on to what you just said before as to what's the misconception. It's the same thing. Is people think that we're trying to use the E5 to drive our own agendas and so on. And, and and we we're definitely not. We don't need to. We don't need the E5 to to drive our agendas. It gives us a good platform. Gives us a good um, it, the public awareness of of who we are and and what we do is is very good. And and we appreciate that. Um, for questions, it's a bit weird for me to to tell you a question you should have asked me. But um, <laughs> have a think. We could we could go technical. We you you didn't ask me any kind of technical intricacies of of cloud-based technology and artificial intelligence and machine learning and uh i'm not sure people are interested in that though to be honest with you <laughs> it, might, it might be a, a bit off topic for the podcast <laughs> as, as much as as a marketing man i would love to talk about cloud computing and uh, where you'd like to go with that um let, let's end it on an easier question we're all in lockdown uh we need everyone's mood to uh, be lifted a little bit so a little bit of a curveball. Haven't prepped you on this one. If you could have any three people dead or alive for dinner, what? Who would they be and why? Ooh, ooh, Steve Jobs, without a shadow of a doubt. The guy, pardon the language, but um, the book I've read, 
it's he seemed like a bit of a prick. <laughs> um, yeah. Apologies for the language, but his mindset was just whew, incredible. Uh, another two. I need another two to sit with me. Um, oh dear me, I'm stumped. I'm stumped for another two. I'd need to have uh, Nate Bogatsky is a comedian in America. Is absolutely hilarious. I'd have to have him there just for a little bit of a, a comedian side of things. So Steve Jobs, Nate Bogatsky, and who else? Oh, I don't know. I really don't know about the third one. <laughs> so just uh, dinner for three. Dinner for three. Dinner for three. That's a really <laughs> difficult. That's a really difficult question. Because uh, I bet uh, you, pe- I bet you, people say really random stuff to that. But <laughs> I, I think it is a difficult question, and I mean, maybe we leave that uh, food for thought for our listeners to pick their three. Because on the top of my mind, only one comes in instantly as well. Um, Thank you so much for joining today's show. It's been really great to hear from you, Ryan. Um, If any of our listeners would like to reach out to you, would like to get in touch with the team at TCW, how do they do that? Um, You can drop me an email um, or drop the company an email. So the the company email is info at the compliance workbook um, if you want to send it to me. Uh, And if it's about TCW or like I see on social media, if anybody in lockdown just wants to chat or just wants to kind of connect with me and and have a little bit of chinwag about business, about innovation and so on. And my email's Ryan at the compliance workbook dot com. Just I'm I'm always available. I'm always available for a chat and stuff. So that's how you would get in touch with me. Awesome. Thank you, Ryan. Uh thanks for listening, guys. Catch you again next week. Thanks for listening. If you are enjoying this show, please leave a review. Hit subscribe and stay tuned for more episodes.